The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Welcome to another episode of Create Your Shot. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host in the city of brotherly love, Chris Smalls Angelos. Smalls, before we get into it, how are you today? We were off last week, a little vacation. Yeah, a little vacation, uh, totally. That's That was planned. That was definitely planned to just have a vacation, have an episode off, but I'm doing well. Uh, feeling refreshed, feeling ready to go. I think we got some good interviews lined up and a really good one this week. Yeah, definitely refreshed. This week, really fun interview, honestly. Uh, so second coach we've had from Arcadia, we had Adam Van Zels. I teased this, uh, I think, two weeks ago, but... Adam Van Zels, new head coach from Arcadia. Just been on the job uh, less than 14 days, Small, so it was really interesting. We talked to him on Sunday, and I thought it was really interesting to kind of hear what he did and, and almost like his first seven days, but then, you know, talked about his background and everything like that. But, again, seven days this guy had been on the job, and we're kind of grilling him, like, what are you doing about your staff? What are you doing about recruiting? So I thought it was really fun to kind of get his right-off-the-cuff, like, fresh ideas and, and kind of hear him talk about him, you know? Yeah, and I think he's in the moment, too. He he mentioned, you know, not sleeping very much, and I'm sure that's very true as, you know, you've got a million things you need to accomplish. I know, you know, the different HR protocols and learning the campus and then finding a place to live and then worrying about your team, your staff and current players. So I think being in the moment, you can tell there's just a lot of stuff he's trying to get done and trying to get done quickly, especially because, you know, August, you get August, you got to get down the sea aisle and relax a little bit. So you got to take care of everything up front. Uh, it's an interesting process, though. It's nice to have another, you know, coach who's just taking over a program. And recently, we talked about this knee champion, but now Adam, it's just, we're kind of just to kind of hear what's going on in the moment and how you kind of deal with getting the job because you really don't have much time to celebrate. You just have to get in it, get involved, and uh, make sure you're set up for the year. Yeah, and I think too, you know, the pinnacle of this profession, no matter what anybody says, unless you're making 500 grand as like a high major assistant, is like becoming a head coach. And, and that feeling when you get that call, I know, I don't know what's smalls, you know, the, the closest I've ever come to being a head coach is uh, I went, I won, I've won a lot of camp championships, not gonna lie, like one week camp championships. But, you know, myself and Charlotte Hornets assistant coach Dutch Gately almost piloted the Temple Pro-Am team as co-head coaches to titles. But, you know, I don't know, but it, it's, it's like I said, it's the pinnacle. It's what everyone thinks about. Like, I want to be a head coach. I want to run my own program. And I think talking to guys when they've gone through interview processes and stuff like that. And, and Adam had talked about, he turned down a couple jobs in the past. I mean, he was at Albright college for eight years as an assistant one year at Millersville and then gets this job had decided he wasn't really going for any jobs other than ones in Philly. And this pops open because Justin Scott gets promoted and go, or sorry, not gets promoted, but gets a job at St. Joe's as an assistant, unbelievable opportunity for him. And he advanced the program so much that now Arcadia has become a job that people want. I mean, Adam talked about it. He was at Albright when Arcadia joined the Mac Commonwealth. And he was like, the way the program's gone in, the, you know, in these eight years, it's, or 10 years really, has been incredible. And it made it a destination job for him. And I think to hear kind of that emotion and that excitement for somebody who, we, we agreed on this off the air, but like had really paid his dues in terms of his name coming around all over the place and, and being linked to a ton of jobs and just a guy that we saw in the Northeast a ton 
not to use the term grinding, but like he worked group group. We always saw him recruiting, always saw him with his brother. Like, and I think that kind of level of emotion to understand what it feels like when you do get a job and how you kind of carry that momentum into the season, it, that stuff is really interesting to hear about. And, and, and a credit to Adam for, you know, kind of answering every single one of our questions, just didn't really have any problems with anything we asked, like kept it light with us, didn't really coach speak us, although he did set the create your shot record for most times mentioning using the term student athlete. So that was good. <laughs> right out of the Dabo Sweeney playbook. But it, again, like I said, I, I give credit to guys like that because it's one of the biggest moments of your professional career when you get a call like that that says like, hey, you're the next guy in line to take over for a program that won the Mac Commonwealth and returns the conference player of the year. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I really asked this either, but you know, I think, I think we talked about a little bit and we've definitely talked about it off the air, but I kind of want to hear your perspective on this as a new coach, new head coach, we've never been him, but new head coach, you're going into a situation like Arcadia, which you mentioned is now more of a coveted job, a position where you can win. It's been proven. Um, there's support, it's good facilities, all of that stuff. As a young coach, are you going in there? Is it tougher to kind of stay with your plan throughout the years rather than you go into a situation that's lost for so many years, you're able to kind of figure out on a job and maybe completely change a strategy that you went in with or you know, the type of program that you envisioned, you kind of can go a different direction. Do you think that's going to be harder at a place like Arcadia now knowing, you know, that you can win? I don't know. That's an interesting question. I, you know, you did ask a little bit about like what the pressure is on him to win. And I think it's too early to know. I, I think you go in expecting that you're going to be able to keep this moving and, and, you know, you have to have supreme confidence in yourself. And I do think Adam, that is one thing that kind of shined through, like he's a very confident guy and not, not to the point of cockiness, just to the point of like, Hey, I'm ready to do this. And I think you obviously can't get a head job if you can't show that in a room. But I don't know, you know, Smalls, it'd be really interesting. Like maybe we get a chance to kind of sit and talk with him again in February or March after this season and talk to him a little bit about that because everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. And I think you're going to get punched in the mouth. The conference is too good. Division three is too good. But it gets a little bit back to our conversation, I think, with Matt Goldsmith about how you do have to be able to pivot no matter what. You can't go in thinking you know all the answers. And just because Justin Scott did it one way doesn't mean that that specific way is going to work for you. And you have to stay true to yourself, I think. So I don't want to give you a wishy-washy answer, but I don't really have a great answer on that because I think it's probably too early in the process to know like, hey, do I have to pivot or do I have to do, you know, stay very strictly like this? I think the main blueprint is like, hey, you're in a basketball hotbed. Like there are tons of players, Philly, Baltimore, DC, you know, within two hours of where you're working, you can go, like we talked about, get 200 guys on your list you know, pare down the ones you want to play the style that you want to play and kind of figure it out from there. And, and again, you, you know, he's not going to try to be Britt Moore. He's not going to try to be Casey Stitzel. He's not going to try to be uh, Justin Scott. He's going to be Adam Van Zelst. And I think that's going to be what makes him successful. And, and we talk about that a little bit. So I think that's probably the biggest thing, Smalls. But I do think the excitement overrides the pressure right now. Yeah, I think so. I think it all comes down to personality, too. Like, it's, it's really, do you want, do you have, like you mentioned, are you more stubborn and stubborn in a good way that you're going to see your program out and you really believe in that vision? Or are you the type of person that you can kind of recognize when something might not be right the first time, or this might not be the best way to do it. I'm going to pivot early. I think 
both strategies can have success and both strategies can be failure. I think that's, that's part of this business, right? I, I just find it interesting to see, you know, I, I think that's a good question for us to maybe ask um, head coaches who have been there before, maybe how they've pivoted and things like that in the future. Yeah. And I do think, you know, with Adam, for sure, he talks a little bit about how he's changed, you know, from his time as a player and his relationship with Rick Ferry, who he both played for and worked for. And I, I think, you know, I'm not going to get out here and say that I think anyone's going to be, a, you know, super successful or not successful because, you know, we just don't know. Like, you don't know kind of what ends up happening. But I do think Adam's ability to kind of absorb and change based on our conversation with him, I would say that that, I, that is something that I think he does have. And I will say one other thing, Smalls. I do think this podcast is interesting just in general, like create your shot because there are a lot of things in this business that beat people down. And, and, you know, I've, I've recently had a couple friends that have gone through some stuff at their jobs and they're, you know, getting new jobs or looking for new jobs or trying to better their situation. Like I am not going to get into this in my situation, but I also was down the road with another job recently and it didn't work out the way I wanted it to. And, and I think that talking to a guy like Adam and hearing that passion, like you got to hear that every now and again. And I hope that we do that for people smalls where you do listen to people and it makes you excited for what you do every day. Cause I texted you, we talked to him on, on Sunday afternoon and I texted you in the middle of it. And I was like, man, like this guy gets it. Like he wants to coach. He loves it. He breathes it. And sometimes it makes me think that I don't breathe. I don't bleed it enough. And that's why we're doing the show because I just don't have the competitiveness anymore, but I enjoyed listening to him. And I enjoyed sitting there being like, you know what, this is why you coach because this is who you want, you know, teaching your kids. This is who you want recruiting your son. This is who you want your son playing for. And I think like his passion is infectious. And we say that sometimes, maybe too often, but I do. And I said that at the end of the interview to Adam, and I remember saying it to Ryan Whalen too. It's there's certain guys where they make you feel like, damn, like this is why I got into the profession at the same time. And like, can I reignite that spark? Have I lost it? Do I need to find the right situation for myself? And, you know, I, I know, you know, I had been a little bit dis- disappointed and, and down in the dumps the last week, just that something didn't go my way. And I, you know, I'll explain it in a couple of weeks. I want to get out in front of it a little bit, but it's just like, it's funny because, you know, we talked to Adam and on Sunday night, I'm like, man, you know, if it's not this year for me in the coaching world, hopefully it's next year. Cause I'm, I'm ready to get back in and I'm ready to kind of have that passion back in my life. And I appreciated Adam's, you know, fire and his, kind of candor because it got me fired up too smalls and I hope that our show does that for people I hope they listen they're like damn this is what I want to be like and not you know them specifically because you can't fake your personality but this is the type of personality that like gets me fired up to coach if you know what I mean yeah no I totally do I mean it's gotta it's gotta do something for you I mean if you're looking for an entry back into the business or you're coaching and you're looking for that passion again I think hearing other people it's the same theory of, you know, being able to commiserate with your peers. Uh, that's actually a really valuable tool that, you know, sometimes when you hold it in, you lose a lot of yourself. And this is a great way to do that. So, you know, I definitely invite people to listen to people's passion and what gets them fired up and young guys and even the older guys we have on the show, you know, this can be a nice exercise to get yourself refocused if you've lost that focus or if you just want to, you're feeling a little down or maybe you've been in a spot for eight years and you never think you're going to get a shot. Well, this is, especially this last episode, I mean, just proves it. You know, you could be at the same spot for eight years and play there for four and then a D2 job, you're trying to make moves up and then all of a sudden your dream job and this scenario for Adam Van Zelf 
And Zell's, this was his dream job that can open up. You just got to kind of stick with it and, uh, you know, don't mean to do a cliche here, but win, win every day. Just go in with that passion every day and it's all going to work out eventually in the end. Absolutely. A hundred percent. One other thing I will say, uh, so happy our guy Davo Sweeney's back. We talk about it in the podcast, but I am just so excited. So please do send us all the great college football, like media day quotes and just quotes you here, whether they be from Davo or Nick Saban. Uh, my man from uh, Pat Fitzgerald had one about like cell phones. They made no sense at Northwestern. Like I don't have any idea. And then the other thing, Smalls and I wanted to get into in the intro, we went a little long. If anyone out there that listens to us is interested in hopping on maybe a special Friday episode and talking about season four of Last Chance You, get in touch with us. Text us, email us, hit us up on Twitter at Create Your Shot, Create Your Shot Pod on Instagram, Create Your Shot at gmail.com, and Create Your Shot on Facebook. But we want to do this because I'm not done with the season yet. I'm, I think I'm through six and a half episodes, but I want to talk about Jason Brown. I want to talk about community college football. I want to talk about Last Chance You. So, Anybody that maybe wants to hop on with us and talk for 30 minutes about this season of Last Chance You, get in touch with us. Other than that, leave us a review. If you leave us five stars, it bumps us up the rankings. Write a review for us. Tell us you like us. Tell us you don't like us. If you don't like what you hear, also leave five stars. Then you never have to listen again. Like I said, get in touch with us. Create your shot at gmail.com. And uh, beyond that, enjoy this week's interview with Adam Van Zelst. We are pleased to be joined by the new head coach at Arcadia, Adam Van Zelst. Adam, you were named the head coach on, I believe, July 10th, started July 15th, haven't even been on campus seven days. How are you today? Uh, doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. You know, big, big supporter, big follower of this uh, podcast. So, you know, blessed to finally be, uh, be on it. Oh, we appreciate that. Like I said, it's always good to get your compliments in early. That's how we know the interview is going to be really good. As as you- <laughs> well, I'm trying to just control the questions, you know, make sure everything goes well. So, <laughs> so like we said, it, it's been a, it's not been a long time. I mean, you've had the job less than two weeks. It's it's a whirlwind. You know, you get the job in the middle of the summer. You got to find a place to live. You talk to current players. You recruit. Like, why don't you walk us through kind of the first ten days on the job and what it was what's been like for you? Well, funny how you talk about finding a place to live. I spent four hours this morning, you know, around Contra Hawking, up and down uh, Bridge Ave looking for places. So that was an experience. But uh, now it, it's been a whirlwind. You know, first, you know, start with the basketball community. Um, you know, it's such a, a small niche family community. The amount of people that have reached out who I haven't talked to in a, in a long time, it, the support has been amazing. Um, so that, first and foremost, that, that's been awesome. Um, you know, go show how awesome it is to, you know, actually be a basketball coach and be part of that. Um, you know, it, it's just been a whirlwind. Um, so, you know, I, I got announced it, you know, after I, I interviewed on a Tuesday and, you know, then the next day, um, you know, some of my um, references started getting calls in the morning. So things started, you know, picking up. And, you know, next thing you know, uh, Brian Granada, the AD, you know, reached out and offered me the job. And, you know, I was shocked for about 48 hours. Uh, I was so excited to uh, be able to come home to uh, where I grew up. So that that was you know, a dream come true for me. I, you know, I was calling this a destination job the whole time, and I truly believe it is. 
And, um, you know, so the first 10 days have just been, you know, getting used to get on campus, reaching out to incoming recruits, current members of the team, administration, just trying to make myself as familiar as possible with the campus set in my office. Um, it, it's just been a whirlwind and then mind that the whole time in the middle of the recruiting season. So I've been trying to get on the road as much as possible, mm-hmm. um, figuring out, you know, what's going on with the assistants, you know, who's coming back, who's not. So things have been uh, really hectic. I uh, haven't been sleeping much, but uh, <laughs> I'll be looking forward to August. You know, hopefully I'll be able to get some time to get down the sea aisle. So uh, <laughs> make my life a little better, but no, everyone's been great. And, and you hit, you know, coach Justin Scott did an unbelievable job with them last year and um, really, you know, have a, have a good returning core and the incoming classes has a chance to be special. So just a really, really exciting opportunity. There's so many items to cover for, you know, becoming a new head coach, especially your first time, but you, you brought it up yourself, staff construction. How are you going about, you know, reaching out and hiring and constructing your staff for your first year in terms of assistant coaches? Well, you know, I, think, I think one of the things I'm really lucky to, to have is some familiarity with the program. Um, I was at Albright College for eight years prior to Millersville last year, so I had a good chance to um, meet and know the, the current assistants, and uh, most of them have expressed interest in returning. So um, that's the direction I'm going to go in, and I'm going to sit down and meet with them next week, actually, and um, you know, see who's, who's 100% committed and, and what they've done for the program and what they think's best for the program with positive, negatives, and see, um, you know, I'm going to try and re- retain all th- three of the four. Um, the other guy, I'm not going to mention, who just received uh, another job offer. So, um, which it's a great position for him. He deserves. He does a good job. So then, besides that, um, you know, growing up close to the area, I have a couple guys I, I might talk to about volunteering and, and just going from there. I think it's nice being in a major city um, where have more people that are flexible to help out. Uh, you know, instead of being you know, say Lancaster or Reading. So, kind of go forward with that, and then um, we'll hopefully by the middle of August have that finalized. Yeah, and you mentioned Justin Scott, and we've had him on. He was a guest of our podcast. He was awesome. We got him the St. Joe's. Just kidding. We didn't get him the job, but he, he did. He had a great, you know. Is he saying you're here for that? You know, I'm just, I'm just plugging us. You know, we can't, we can't wear, uh, we can't wear St. Joe's gear. We're, we're a very equal opportunity podcast, but uh, the Temple Roots don't let Smalls and I wear Joe's or Nova. Or pen gear, we can't do that. Lasalle, we can we can wear Lasalle. That's all right. Lasalle, it's yeah, contractual. You know. Okay, okay. You have a Temple shirt on right now, Smalls. Yeah, you know, that's just what I do. Imagine if I had a St. Joe's shirt on, I'd get killed. So, you're, But you are following this unprecedented success at Arcadia, and we kind of spoke to this also, Nate Champion, him getting the new job at LeMoyne his first year. He's a younger head coach. How Do you already feel like there's a little added pressure rather than going into, you know, maybe a program that hasn't won? Arcadia now has a, you know, a bar for success. How are you approaching that situation? Well, you know, I don't, I don't think I'd use the word pressure. Um, I think you just got to, you know, attack each day and just, you know, make sure you're giving your all and trying to do everything you can to make the program better. Um, even though it's July, as long as you're working hard and doing the right things and, and setting the standard for the program, I think the other stuff will take care of itself. Um, I know that sounds really cliche and such a coach thing to say. It's true. It's- you know, it, I think that's as long as you do the right things and you work hard, good things will happen. And that's not just for myself, for the assistant coaches, for administration and, and all the, you know, the players in our program, our student athletes. So that's kind of the way I'm approaching it right now. Um, you know, I think it helps to have a returner who was a conference player of the year as a sophomore. Um, I had Daquan Davis. So that's definitely a, a big help. 
and we have a really good core of guys returning. And then, you know, like I mentioned, uh, the incoming class that Coach Scott and the, the assistant coaches from last year have really put together. And I think I've been fortunate enough to keep that class intact. Again, I think the assistant coaches have been used with that. So we'll see. But, um, you know, yeah, it, it, it's going to be it'll be challenging to repeat the success they had last year. They graduated eight seniors. All eight seniors, you know, had experience and, and were very well versed in the Commonwealth Conference play. And, and you know, it's a battle every night. So it's, it's one day at a time. You know, I think we just got to keep getting better every day and them getting used to me as a coach and the way I like to do things and, and vice versa. You know, what works for them and what doesn't. So, you know, we, we can play our best basketball in January and February. I think we'll have a chance to compete. Um, so we'll, ju- we'll just we'll attack it every day and, and, you know, see how things go. Adam, we mentioned this off the air, but I, I kind of wanted to get into it. You were at Albright for eight years and, and played at Albright as well. So a lot of time in Reading, PA, did one year at Millersville. You've, pay, you've paid your dues in, in a lot of ways in the Philly area and then in and around kind of Reading, Pennsylvania and stuff like that. Did you feel like when Arcadia opened up that like this was a job that you thought you could get or was it a job you felt like you needed to kind of go after because of the success they've had and, and how familiar you are with, you know, Mac Commonwealth? Well, to me, this was, this was a dream job. Um, I, my whole goal, I've always wanted to get back to Philadelphia. Um, no, I went to Conway and Catholic, so I grew up right outside Northeast Philly for all those people. I'm, I'm not going to say I'm from Northeast Philly because I know I know that's a touchy subject around Philadelphia. So let it down. Um, so now this, this was a dream job for me. And, and you know how it is in this business. You know, when I'm, I'm in Reading for, for eight years, you know, I never thought I'd get back to Philadelphia. Um, right. So I thought I'd be you know, central PA. I'd have to travel, be hours away from my family if I ever did get an opportunity to be a head coach. So when this opened up, um, you know, I, I reached out to Coach Stitzel and, and you know, said, saw what his, wanted to hear what his thoughts were. And, and you know, to credit to him, he was he was very supportive. And he said, you know, Adam, when you told me what you're looking for after this position at Miller, after, after being at Millersville, um, you told me you want to get back to Philadelphia. He was very proactive and very helpful. And you know. Things kind of just starting aligning when we were going through the uh, application process and, and whether it was a phone interview and on campus, it just felt right. You know, before I thought it was a dream job. And then as I, I went through the process, it felt even better. And then, you know, I was just lucky enough and fortunate enough to, to get this opportunity. Yeah. And, and I wonder, you know, and, and you, you feel free to speak as much or a little as little on this as possible. But in terms of like the interview process, did you feel like you had been prepared by some interviews prior to, did, I mean, how, how did the process go for you regarding this job and kind of in comparison to some jobs that maybe you had interviewed for in the past? It just felt right. Um, you know, I definitely think being in this industry and, and being an assistant coach for, for so long definitely helped me prepare for the interview process. I have been on some hand coaching interviews before and I've actually turned them down in, in the past. So that definitely, I think, uh, made me more prepared. And, you know, I think I prepared more so for this job than the others, just because, uh, you know, human nature, I wanted this job more than the other ones. You know, this is where I wanted to be. So, um, no, and then when I got to meet the, you know, other coaches and, and administration on campus, it was just the right feel. I, I think we connected. I think they felt the same way I felt about them and vice versa. Did you yeah, feel I, like, I, hold on, sorry, Smalls. I, I want to talk about Albright for a second, because I think as someone who spent so much of kind of your adult life there, I wonder, did you feel like in eight years there that it was like, man, when is my shot going to happen? Like, I guess, like I wrote in the notes, like, how did you say humble and hungry? You know, shout out our guy, John Rothstein. But I really do want to know that because I think year in and year out, the way the business works, you know, guys tend to get discouraged. How did you kind of battle against that and make sure that you were getting better and taking on more each year and becoming a more well-rounded coach? 
Well, I, think, I think the people that I surrounded myself with, but I'll be completely honest with you. There's days when, you know, you're driving to, let's say, North Jersey. It's, you know, late January. And I'm thinking, man, what am I doing in my life? <laughs> is this is this ever going to break? Like, am I ever going to get lucky enough yeah. to get to get a position that I really want? You know, and, um, you know, I think being first, I'll start with this, my, you know, supporting cast that I would call them, you know, my friends in coaching. You know, they truly are some of my best friends, whether it's Britt Moore, E-Town. I actually have a twin brother who coaches at the University of Scranton. So always great to bounce, you know, how I'm feeling off of him, uh, whether it's Ethan Stewart-Smith at WJ, Matt Dolan, who's now at GA, Mike Larkin at, um, you know, who will be, you know, at Rutgers. Those, those guys are, you know, they're like, you know, th- those are my guys for the last eight years. You know, every time we have issues or we're struggling, you know, we know we can always count, count on each other and all that stuff. And it's just, they were huge for me. And then finally, you know, Coach Rick Ferry, you know, being alum at Albright and, you know, playing for him and building that relationship over, I want to say it's 12 years, including my playing time with him. Yep, 12, um, yeah. yeah. That really, really helped every time I was struggling. But, you know, every year I tried adding more and more responsibility for myself, whether I, I actually went out and coached AAU for two years um, with East Coast Power out of Competitive Edge. You know, whatever it could be to try and build my resume, build my portfolio, and just meeting as many people as I could. But I'll be honest, I mean, there was times – you know, you're just, you know, you struggle a little bit financially being an assistant coach in Division Three for that long. And you're just like, man, what, what am I doing in my life? You know, my buddies are, you know, living in Philadelphia, going out, having a good time, you know, all that stuff. And oh yeah, it's to the point. But you just you just got to stay with it and you got to stay hungry. How many uh, Hoop Group East championships do you think you and like Ethan and Mike Larkin <laughs> and Britt Moore, like how many Hoop Group East championships do you guys think you have? You know what? It's funny. I actually, we used to compare records and <laughs> damn right. It's all you have. <laughs> yes. This is crazy. So one year, one summer, since we've worked way too many hoop group camps, um, shout out Rob Kennedy, who is, you know, the legend. Um, we actually each picked another coach in the East and uh, whoever coach had the best record, or the worst record. I'm sorry. Whoever had the worst record, you had to buy the drinks that was well, the Thursday night that we could camp. <laughs> We would, these guys, like, I, I, we would go off to him, like, hey, man, how's your team doing? How are you playing? He'd be like, oh, we just lost a close one. And be like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, like, we go over, run over, like, little girls and be like, oh, yeah, like, I'm on one. You know how it is in the camp, Brian, though. You just got to kind of stay with it and keep yourself engaged. That, uh, that should be one of our 10 touches questions for guys we know that are hoop group lifers is like, who's the best player you coached at hoop group? Like, it doesn't, it, you're not allowed to pick a player that you coached on your actual team. It has to be like, who was the best camp player you ever coached? Because there's just so many guys that are in the Northeast that it's like that, where it's like, oh, yeah, I was in the East. I had the third pick. Like, pick Kyle Anderson, you know? It's just, it's hilarious. Yes, like, yes, absolutely. You get in the draft. If you don't pick them, people are yelling at you, like, what are you doing? You know, um, that's what we should do, actually. I, I think, I, you know, there's some people that might not want me in the draft room, but I would love, like, broadcasting live, who group elite, like, the big session drafts. Now they change the calendar. You don't get to do it anymore. But like, yeah. that would be something that people would be absolutely blown away by. Like you think your fantasy football draft is crazy. Wait till a bunch of division three and division two coaches are calling you idiots. Cause you're passing up on like a 2022 two guard as your third pick. Like it's amazing. No, it is. It would be great reality TV. And then you add, you add the interaction between Rob and Steve Keller. It, <laughs> it is priceless. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We can't button that up for sure. But I do want to, I want to ask you about, Moving on to Millersville, you we mentioned it. You spent a ton of time, 12 years at Albright. And then what made you, I guess, want to go to – I know it's a level up. I know it's Division Two, and Stitzel's a great coach with a great background. But what kind of 
made that right for you to go to Millersville and take that leap as an assistant um, at that point in your career? Well, uh, you know, we were talking about how long I was at, at Albright and Reading. You know, I, I really thought, and I'm talking about, you know, trying to make a more diverse resume. I need a change. Um, I need to get out of my comfort zone. You know, I, I was in Reading for so long and Albright for so long. Everything was so comfortable. The people there were great. I knew exactly what to do, how to interact with everyone, all that stuff. So I thought it was really good for me to work for someone different, number one, and Coach Stitzel, who is a great coach and who hopefully will. And I think he will do great things at Millersville. You know, they return a ton of guys on that team. So it was really good to work for someone different. Um, Casey and Rick have different coaching styles. So I got to learn a lot more from him. Um, you know, and then working with scho- at the scholarship level, you know, mm-hmm. everybody will tell you, oh, it doesn't matter. It, it, it just adds more to your resume. And you're getting coached better players, guys who can do more things. You get to do more, more stuff out of the season, whether it's in the fall workout and spring workouts. So I got to learn a lot from coach got to learn a lot about the scholarship level. And I think number one, just made me a better coach. And, you know, you're just, you know, it's just a little different. The PSAC is a grind as well. Um, you only have one full-time assistant at GA and, you know, you're trying to operate like a, you know, division one program. It, it's tough. It, it, you're working hard. You're working long hours. So I think it, it was good for me. And I think it definitely helped to get a lot of, a lot of diversity on my different diversity on my resume. Getting super granular here, what what's one thing you really took from each of those head coaches? And I know working with a variety of assistants, you take a lot of things as well. But in particular, Coach Ferry and Coach Stitzel, what's one thing you kind of took from each of those that you really want to implement in, into maybe your Arcadia culture and ultimately build the program with? Well, sorry, Coach Stitzel, since it's more recent, um, he does a great job constantly interacting with his student athletes. Um, he's always on top of the guys, whether it's academics, whether it's something that he believes he saw at practice or in a game, he has guys, he calls them in right away, he'll text guys. Um, and I thought that was a little different. No knock on Rick. Rick's just also an AD at Albright. So he had so much on his plate. Yeah. So it was really nice to be able to see a head coach act that way with his student athletes and his players. So that was really cool. And then the other thing, the way I'm sure you guys, you guys are very familiar with Coach Sissel, he likes to play super aggressive on the defensive end, whether we're pressing, he wants to play super fast. So some of the concepts that he, he uh, implemented in the way he likes to play, um, I'm a little different, but I'll definitely include that in some of the defensive stuff. Um, and then, you know, he's just super hard on his guys. And, you know, I think, you know, kids are changing nowadays. And the way Coach Sissel is, you know, sometimes can, you know, rub kids the wrong way, but he cares so much. So, you know, how much he cared um, was just great to watch. And, and that's something I'll definitely take. And then Rick, I mean, I, you know, I learned so much from Rick over the times and he's taught me so much. The, the most important thing I could say, the best thing I could say about Coach Ferry is, you know, he, he takes you know, student athletes when they're, you know, he's so good at when you're a freshman. And then when you graduate, making you a productive member of society and turning you into a man the way his just interactions are and the standard he holds you at, um, you know, he turned me into a man. So, you know, how can I you know, say anything about that? Cause I was with him for so long. Um, but you know, I, I think his best quality is the way he just, he holds you accountable. He, he's always on you. He's always, you know, he cares about you. So um, yeah, I was really fortunate with both of them. I mean, you spent like damn near half your life with Rick Ferry, right? Like he was your head coach and then he was your boss. What was, what was it like going from you were a good you were a really good player at Albright on some really good teams and then you you slide right in as an assistant kind of what was the relationship change between him being your coach and then him being your boss and and how did you adjust over the years? Well, I really appreciate the comment of a really good player back in Division Three. I'd like to think it was because of my teammates, but I really appreciate that. Thank you. I mean, I, I mean, you can't argue with your resume. And like I said, it was good. I mean, I was a I want to say 
that you were a player when I was a runner at Hoop Group. And I, and I knew that, that Albright was very good. I knew the team was very good. I watched you guys play pickup. Like, you had a lot of dudes. And I know you finished, I think, what, top five in assists in your career. So, you know, point guard, it, it kind of lines up with a lot of guys who go into coaching. But those teams were good back then. So I think I'll, I'll, I'll give the compliments. And every coach deflects. Eventually, we'll get some coach on here that was like, yeah, man, I was the shit. Like, I was such a good player. But we, we have not found that yet. Not even like John Lennon. So brother, he might give you that. So. <laughs> But yeah, so what, I mean, what was it like going and, and kind of growing as a coach under a guy that you played for? Um, you know, it was really challenging. A lot of people don't know this. My first two years at Albright, Rick and I did not get along at all. Your first two years as a player or your first two years as a as coach? A, as a player. I, okay. uh, I was really difficult. You know, I'm from, I played in the Catholic League. You know, I thought I was a man. I thought I had all the answers. And, um, you know, I didn't play much my first two years. I had a lot of injuries as well. Um, so we kind of butt heads. But, you know, it, I, he just stayed with me. He never gave up on me. And I, I really respect him and Britt Moore, especially he was assistant coach at that time and Kevin Driscoll as well. And Driscoll, yeah. Yeah. The legend as well. So, um, but they, they really stuck with me and I, I give him a lot of credit because I, I, I was hard to coach. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. And, and they didn't give up and I, they, they stay with me as I grew up. And then Rick and I, my senior year, I mean, we were always on the same page. It was, um, it was awesome. We had a great year. Like you said, you know, we went to NCAA tournament, hosted the tournament, uh, was captain of that team. So that was awesome. But um, the adjustment was difficult in the beginning because, you know, I, I was a player and, you know, he's a coach. And But to Rick's credit, he kind of stayed away on certain topics. You know, whether there were guys that I played with when I first started coaching that, you know, if it was difficult conversations, he kind of kept me out early and, you know, knew what was appropriate for me to know. And over the years, we kind of just became closer. And, and he knew the type of person I was and I figured out the type of person he was. And we had a really good working relationship. Um, you know, he, he knew what thing, when not to talk to me, when to talk to me, vice versa. And, um, you know, we, we really hit it off. I thought by the time I left, I mean, I knew what he was thinking always. He knew what I was thinking, but it definitely took time. It, you know, it, it took time. You know, he, he, like I said, I was a little mature in the beginning. And, you know, when I became full-time assistant, he was hard, you know, coach fair is hard to work for. He's demanding. You have to get things done and he expects them to be done. So that, that was a challenge, but at the end, it, it was an awesome working relationship. And now we got to take a quick break. Looking for the best sports coverage on the web? Then check out the Dan Patrick Show on Podcast One Sportsnet. Join the Sportscaster Monday through Friday as he covers the biggest games all year long with a whole bunch of A-list guests from the world of sports and entertainment. Download new episodes of the Dan Patrick Show every, every week only on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Also, guys, we've been saying about it all year. Summer action continues to heat up in the Major League Baseball, and there are big UFC fights around the corner. We're only two weeks away from the NFL preseason. I believe we are seven Sundays away from the regular season. And as you know, there's only one place that has you covered and one place that Smalls and I trust, and that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code PODCAST1. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-O-N-E for your 50% welcome bonus. This weekend, UFC 240, it is in Edmonton, Alberta. We got a featherweight title bout between Max Holloway, the champ, and Frankie Edgar. Not sure if you remember, Smalls. Frankie Edgar was on uh, True Life on MTV trying to make it, so it's pretty cool to see where he is now. Also, Chris Cyborg, big draw. I believe that is not a title fight, Chris Cyborg and Felicia Spencer, but big-time card at UFC 240 in Edmonton, Alberta. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action and don't forget to use the promo code podcast one or, and you guys know it by now, you can text bet now to two, three, eight, six, six, nine and receive a 50% welcome bonus. That is bet now 
to 238669 and receive a 50% welcome bonus. Like I said, MLB action heating up. UFC 240 this weekend. Get in on all the action. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And now, back to Adam Van Zels. Did you know right away that you were going to – I mean, I, I guess by your junior or senior year, did you know, like, all right, I, this is what I want to do. I want to be a basketball coach? Like, and, and, or did the opportunity come where Rick was like, hey, we have a spot. Like, we can find a way to make you some money. Like, and, and you can kind of figure it out from there. Or were you dead set, like, I'm going to coach college basketball? Now, this is actually a pretty crazy story. I actually had no idea what I was going to do. Um, you know, I had some schooling last when I was out of eligibility. And um, it was the first week. And, you know, Coach Moore, I keep mentioning, we were, re- we're really close, him, my brother and I. And he called me in the office, him and Rick. And I was just like, all right, like first week of school, I'll just say hi, see what's going on. And uh, they brought me in. They go, hey, you know, would you be interested in volunteering and helping out? And I, you know, was like, you know, sure, why not? You know, basketball's been my life for the, you know, as long as I can remember, you know. And um, I ended up falling in love with it. I, I volunteered for a year and I was part time for two years, you know, making $2,000 as a second assistant, which is really hard to, to live your life that Man, way. Two, two grand in Reading, though, like that, that goes a little bit further than people think. Like $2,000, yeah, you can go get some beers. You can go to, I don't know, Pike, that place still open. You can go uh, there and get some Pike, beers. Underrated spot in downtown Reading. You know, if, anybody's, <laughs> if anybody's looking for a good spot, if you're passing through Reading, PA, I recommend the Pike and Beverly Hills Tavern. Two great spots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Beverly Hills Tavern in Reading, Pennsylvania. <laughs> what a great name. Yes. But no, I mean, so, you know, and then after that, I was lucky Aubrey had a full-time assistant spot and it's just kind of working my way up. But it was, um, it was not something I was, you know, really looking to do. And, and I just fell in love with it and, and, you know, being, a, being around, you know, the players and, and just watching them grow and the men and helping them, you know, through situations that, you know, you're in when you were a player and growing up and I just, and the whole, and basketball, just being a part of that and the tacticians, all that stuff. So, you know, now nah, it just, it, things just worked out and, you know, they, they got me in the coaching more or less. You mentioned uh, your twin brother and I think everyone, if you've coached in the area, division one, division two, II, division three, been at hoop group events, you see both of you at once. And the only way to distinguish is Scranton gear, Albright gear, Millersville gear, whatever it is. But how is that relationship with your brother being in the same industry and coaching and kind of going through a very similar path at the Division Three level? Uh, how has that helped you throughout your coaching career? And what's that relationship like now professionally? Uh, it's really unique. Um, I think I'm really fortunate to, to have my brother in the industry. Um, you know, he's been my best friend my whole life. We've always had the similar, similar interests. We've always had the same friends. We both love basketball. Um, you know, since the days we're playing a hundred one-on-one in the driveway, which I've won like 90% of those. So, just, just so. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, a little shade. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Shots fired. Uh, That's no. what we do on site on this podcast. I love it. Yeah, it's got, it's got to be fun, right? But uh, no, it, it's it's definitely unique. Um, you know, Rye does a great job. Everybody knows about the U and they have a really good program. Carl Danzig is, you know, an unbelievable coach. Um, but it's been great. You know, we talk about recruits. We have a very open relationship with about that. And my time at Albright, not that we crossed over a ton. I'd always get his opinion on, on you know, potential student athletes and vice versa. And now at Arcadia, I'm assuming, as I can see, actually in the first two weeks on the job, we're going to be, uh, you know, talk, running into each other a little bit more on uh, recruits. But it's funny. So if we did have a kid on campus when I was at Albright and he was at Scranton, I'd be like, look, you know, my brother, or if he hasn't, is going to reach out. I want to let you know we are twins. So we are going to talk about this. Right. So families and kids aren't freaked out like, wait. Didn't I just see this guy? You know, so we get that out of the way early and then they laugh about it and then we're good to go. I, I do want to ask really quickly, you you guys might be the only 
two set of twins that have both been named NABC Under Armour 30 Under 30 for like rising coaches in the profession, but he was awarded that honor a year before you. Did he hold that over your head? Oh, it was the, it was the longest 12 months of my life. <laughs> Every time I tell him how good Albright is or how much better we are than them, you know, just between him and I, he'd be like, oh, you know, didn't I just, did I win that award first? You know, I, I won it. My parents, I didn't think they cared because I won it 12 months earlier. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what was it like you you played with him you worked with him like I, I mean have people in the past been like you guys need to separate a little bit or, or is it just always been like man it's just great to have this support system in my coaching and playing career you know growing up you obviously played together in high school then played together in college like was it, I mean is it just amazing to have that support system right away like right with you all the time yeah it, it's been great for personally for me it's been great to have someone I trust um, yep. Especially in this industry, you know, you know how it is. It's, it's so competitive for every job um, or every competitive for recruits. It's competitive in every way possible. Um, so it's always been nice to have him, someone I really, really trust. And not everyone can say that. Um, but no, we've definitely had coaches be like, oh, you guys always recruit together or just stuff. But to be honest, we just we don't care. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't bother us because at the end of the day, when I was at Albright, we recruit, we were recruiting different guys. Or when I was at Millersville, we recruit different guys. So it might be a little interesting now. But at the end of the day, if a student athlete wants to pick a school, it's not just going to be about basketball. It's going to be about cost. It's going to be about the institution, the program. There's so many other factors. So I think some people look into that a little too much. But no, I, I've been blessed. I, I wouldn't want it any other way. You know, he's my best friend. We talk seven times a day on the phone, you know, so it's great. It's interesting you're talking about recruiting and, and you kind of touched on this a little bit before, like you go to Millersville and you're recruiting with scholarships and now you're coming back to a conference that you're very, very comfortable with. You know, how do you think you'll recruit and not to get too in the weeds on it, but like recruiting philosophy, I guess, at a school like Arcadia, given that you're in a big city, like what do you think, especially over the last couple of weeks, like as you move forward and putting your list together, how, how do you plan on kind of setting that philosophy up and, and empowering your assistants and things like that? Well, I think overall, I think I just want to own the city. You know, any any student athlete that's looking at, you know, close to Division II offers or, you know, close to that level or wants, and wants to stay home, I think those are prospects that we definitely have to be in contact with. Granted, if they have the GPA standard and SAT to get into Arcadia um, and then look at the financial background. But we definitely want to start there and spread out. I think being at Arcadia, you're very fortunate that we have an awesome product to sell. Um, we're a nationally ranked private institution. We have a great opportunity studying abroad, location, facilities. Um, I remember when I was at Albright, when Arcadia first joined the Mac Commonwealth and the difference from what the, this building looks over, over in athletics, the Cush Gymnasium, everything they've done over the last decade, is, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, be- it's beautiful, honestly. Like from the time that like, I left Temple, just driving by it and then like coming back a couple of years later, it's, it's amazing. Like they've done a great job investing in the program, honestly, too. Yep. No, absolutely. And then, you know, you build off the success. You know, we, we have a good product to sell. We could, you know, talk about the success we had last year and going forward, you know, what we can do here at Arcadia. You know, they've been very competitive in the MAC Commonwealth Conference. And I know we're moving to the freedom. So we're competitive. Hopefully we'll be competitive in the MAC freedom as much, you know, and even before last year, they were very competitive. So I think there's so much to sell and uh, I'm just really excited. And, and then, you know, talking about where the school's located, you know, within a two, two and a half hour radius, High school basketball is in a really good place. You know, whether you're going to South Jersey, whether, you know, maybe you go to North Jersey, out to Central PA, Delaware, Maryland. There's so many places. There's so many good potential student athletes. So um, I think that'll be where I start, you know, owning the city. And, and then hopefully we can go you know, out from there. 
I think that's a that's a perfect plan, and that kind of goes right into setting goals as a head coach um, and as a new first year head coach. We usually talk about career goals and things like that, but I think with a new team, you're strictly focused on being successful here. So, what are some of your goals for this first year for you as a team on the court? And then, uh, what are you projecting? Do you have a five year plan as well? Uh, yeah, well, I think first goal is uh, hopefully for every coach is, you know, just trying to be better every day, you know, whether it's the classroom, whether it's on the court of practice, whether you're working out, just trying to be even just being a better person. So I think in our program, that'll be a common theme. That's that's the most important goal for us is just trying to be better. Everybody who's involved every day, just trying to be a better person. Um, you know, then, you know, basketball wise, I'm not using the setting goals just because I think, you know, so many things can happen. But, you know, I think if we can make the playoffs this year, that would be that would be really nice. You know, hopefully, like I said earlier, we could get playing our best basketball by January and February. And, it, and if you guys know, you know, the Commonwealth Conference, anything can happen. I mean, if you make the playoffs, well, usually it's, it's a battle, whether you're driving, you're going down the Hood College, whether, you know, you got to go to Alvernia, Albright, LeVal. Games are always tight. The coaches are really good. Um, it, it's competitive. So if you can get in the playoffs, I think that that would be really good. And in five years, you know, I, you know, I, I would love to, love to say that we're competing for Freedom Championships year in and out, and hopefully we're making noise nationally. Um, but, you know, obviously those are lofty goals, and, and that's that would be, you know, a dream come true, and I hope we can get to the program there. But, again, it starts by doing the right thing every day. The little things, if you take care of them, those things, and, you know, you do what's right, and you do what you think's best, hopefully all that other stuff will take care of itself. Adam, last question for me. Uh, you talked about how much work you have to do, and you talked about how quickly you get on, you got on campus and you have all these things to do and you're not sleeping much. How do you kind of combat the idea that you want to win the national championship on the first day? Like, how do you kind of level yourself and make sure that, like, it's just not all hoops all the time? Like, you're excited to get back closer to your family, not that you were super far to begin with, but, you know, like you said, getting back to Philly. How do you kind of stay grounded now that, it, you know, you feel like you have so much to do and you have you, you got to just do it all? How do you kind of stay grounded yourself both inside and outside? Or, I'm sorry, on and off the court? Um. Yeah, I, I think the support system I have and I think, you know, having learning from Coach Ferry and seeing how he operates day in and out, day in and day out with the success he had, just just kind of following his model. Um, you know, I think as a young coach, sometimes you're like, oh, you know, I'm so excited. We're going to win. We're going to, you know, do everything. Win national I think just taking it day by day, um, you know, just just being present at the moment and, you know, never get too high, never get too low. And, and just just be happy with you know where I am, but not satisfied, and just keep working. Um, I'm not. I, be, I feel like I've been doing this long enough that I, I won't fall into that trap. Um, I, I've, I've coached teams that I thought were going to be really good that were bad, and I've coached teams I thought we weren't going to be very well, do very well, and, and, and been successful. So you know, just being experienced and, and being in this business for a long time, uh, just just try and stay level headed each day, and, and just try and be productive. So Smalls will take it into coach speak. This is a great time of year. Football media days are back. So that means we'll get quotes from Dabo Sweeney literally every week. And <laughs> I just start writing down everything Dabo says. So I got a real short one for you, Smalls. Like, I don't even know if it's Thank a full you. I think it's one sentence. Thank you. You know, I haven't been reading much. Uh, you know, so this is really special to me. And uh, Dabo, I mean, we got to talk a little bit about his press conference. I mean, it was just 45. Quote. You probably were just writing down 50 hundred quotes in about a minute that guy just coach speaked it one, one one like peek behind the creator shot curtain the video is saved on my computer it's like a 15 minute press conference so it's saved on my computer and i haven't fully transcribed it yet but this one was popping up all over twitter so i was oh like okay God. i took this one off here but yeah i have i, I when dabo sweeney talks for guys who are looking for like 
things to post on Instagram, post on Twitter, like put up in your office, put up in the locker room. Like the guy is a walking, like it's, it is insane. Like I almost use the F word. I'm trying to cut back on that. But like the guy is just walking, talking cliches and coach speak. And I know he believes it. Like I, I after a while, at first I was like, man, dad was a fraud. Like there's no way this guy's probably at the <laughs> dinner table telling his family that like, if you love steak, like you better eat that steak. Like it's the last steak you're ever going to have in your entire life. Cause other people aren't as fortunate to have the damn steak. You know, it's, it's wild. So I gave you Dabo, and I'm so excited that he's back for the year. I'm just so fired up about it. All right. We live in the modern, but we train old so that you don't lose that mindset. Now, like we mentioned, Dabo Sweeney just shooting off quotes left and right. But what are, <laughs> some, what what are some of your tips for player development, especially at the Division three level, which we've talked multiple Division three coaches about, uh, being that you can't be with your guys in the offseason? Well, I, I first, I got I to touch on Dabo. I mean, how many times did he see culture in that? In that, in that God, I don't even the culture <laughs> counter. Thirty, right? <laughs> it's insane. Like I can't even get into it. Like he now that they're like ready to win, and he, the one quote that I love more than anything, but it wasn't really that funny, was that like they won the national championship in one day of practice last year. It was just like one practice, bam, we won the national <laughs> title. But he couldn't point to like what day it was. It was just that like that's probably what happened. It's like. No, like we get it. Like, you're, but you're also so talented, and like, <laughs> it's I don't know, but yeah, it's the culture thing, player development, just the most overused terms in sports. It's or in coaching, at least at this point. But Dabo right is now, like, you gotta gotta love it, right? Right, absolutely. No, I you know I know you guys talk to other Division three coaches, and you know player development at this level. I, I think it's it's got to be owned by the by the players. They you know they have to want to get in the gym and work. I think you can only do so many things. Um, but they got to want it. They got to want to be great. And I think the most important thing is just, you know, being able to dribble, pass and shoot as, as cliche as that sounds, just, just working on that and footwork, but it's got to be on the student athletes because we can't do a ton. Now, I think I would love to work some in, especially early in practice during the year. Um, but it, it's, it's definitely a challenge. You know, if there's one thing I'd love to see change in division three is even if in the preseason, if we could just get an hour or two just to work with our student athletes, I think that would be awesome. You know, it's interesting, and I think you have a good take on it, obviously, because you played and coached Division Three for such a long time. Why do you think that the NCAA hasn't made that rule? I mean, because there's no scholarships, you can't force guys to be there. But if you got two hours, guys who are committed and want to play, like, they would show up. Like, I feel like it's the NCAA just not being super cognizant of how serious and focused a lot of Division Three players are. Am, am I wrong about that? Well, I would agree. I think more so now today, I think Division three athletes are, are more dedicated than ever. I think athletes at all in total are more dedicated than ever. Um, I just think, if in my opinion, I think the NCAA just sees Division three as true student athletes and they don't want to change that model. That, that would be my guess. Um, but I, I, to be honest, I don't really know. Yeah, I, it just feels like it's, you know, even if it was an optional thing, if you're just given a chance, like, hey, you can work with your guys two hours. And if if you want to use it, you can. And if other coaches don't want to use it because they want to let their guys focus on academics or let them have the summers to themselves, that's fine too. It, it, it feels like, I don't know, it feels a little bit like, uh, like I said, like they're just kind of not taking as much of an interest in maybe small college sports as they should. But I agree with you. It would be great for guys, especially like you said, if guys get back on campus in September, if you could just have two hours a week, the same as, you know, I think division ones get four hours a week now on the court, but it would be, you know, like that would be so great, especially for a guy like you, who's got to come in and implement a new system. Oh, yeah, it would make the transition easier. And I think, you know, for any coach, I think it would make the sport better. You have more time to work with your student athletes. I think by the time you're starting your scrimmages and your games, your teams are just going to be more prepared. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, second one I got is from Greg Popovich. Not as great of a coach speak guy anymore, but this is from, you know, years and years ago. 
Uh, he said, I've already decided that there's no way all the players are going to get the minutes they want. The second thing is that I've determined is that I don't care about that. So we talk about the decisions you get to make as a head coach, and they're very different than the decisions you get to contribute to as an assistant. Adam, what do you think is going to be the toughest transition going from assistant to head coach and, and moving into that main chair on the sidelines? And then also, what do you think is the best way to kind of get buy-in and commitment from your guys? Well, yeah, you know, I think the toughest decision is you can't make everybody happy. And, you know, I, you know, talking about coach speak and, you know, I'm embarrassed to say this, but yeah, I've read a few articles here and there. So um, I think the thing that you got to take is sometimes a head coach, it's a lonely position because you can't make everybody happy. Um, so I think the best thing you can do is you got to be open and honest with all, all your student athletes, everyone on your team. You have to have open conversations, letting them know where you see they, where you think they stand and then hear, hearing them out, let them know what, hearing what they have to say and what they believe. And yeah, you're not always going to agree and, and you're not going to come to an agreement always on where both parties think it's what getting their way or what's right, but we got to be on the same page. And as the head coach, you have to make difficult decisions sometimes and you got to do what's best for the team at the end of the day. Um, I, I mentioned this earlier. I coached AAU with East Coast Power and I was 17U and, and you know, you think, oh, it's AAU, it doesn't make a difference, but Having that head coaching experience, I think, will make this transition so much easier because you are making the difficult decisions, whether it's subs, you're calling timeouts. You know, student athletes aren't happy because, yeah, they, they have five schools that, you know, want to watch their son play or their parents want to watch their, have their son play. And, you know, you got to do what's best for the team and the program. So, you know, that was a really eye opening experience. Um, I, I would suggest everybody who's assistant coach at Division Three, small college. Coach AU, if you can, I think it's great for you. I think that will definitely help the transition. But, uh, yeah, there's going to be things that pop up that I'm going to be like, oh, okay, that's new. Um, but uh, I'm just looking forward to the experience. I, you know, I think I've been doing this long enough. Yeah, I do think you're right about that. Like, the, being able to coach AAU, you know, and, and at all levels, like, you you were very fortunate. East Coast Power has turned into a really, really good program with a lot of kids that go to all levels of you know college basketball but it is funny because you do have to deal with parents in that regard and you have to deal with guys and you don't even have like kind of the security guys can just go play for another team if they want to so that's almost a really good way to get used to kind of balancing egos where you don't necessarily get to do that as an assistant you have to be more you know you work with the head coach but kind of you get to be the sounding board for the players and get to be in between but yeah when you're the guy with the minutes in your hand it's a whole lot different I think that's great advice Adam I really do yeah, and I'll tell you this, the one thing between AU and college, at least in college, you can kind of tell the parents, hey, look, you know, this is, you know, if you want to talk about academics or anything off the court, that's fine. Uh, playing time, we can't talk about. But in AU, that you're going to have that conversation. So that was definitely uh, challenging, but it was good. You know, it helped me interact and all that stuff. But I was really fortunate with the parents. I, had. I was lucky, but, you know, you hear some story, hear horror stories with AU, so. Yeah, you spent 12 years in this place, now moving on to our next segment, Reading, Pennsylvania. You and Tyler are all geeked up about it. I'm excited to listen about it. You're already you already kind about? of... You, you know Reading, Pennsylvania just as I know well Reading, Pennsylvania, do. but I know you guys get geeked up about this. You guys are more... Listen, I worked in the hoop group as a runner a little bit, but not as much as you guys in Albright. So I'm excited to just let you guys go back and forth. I'll try to make sure you don't take up a full hour on city review, but it could be entertaining. <laughs> so we're doing Reading, Pennsylvania. You're doing three restaurants, two bars, and an activity. I know there those five things. There might only be five things in Reading, Pennsylvania <laughs> that meet that criteria, but take it away, Adam. All right, so let's go three bars, okay? We already touched the pike. If you're looking for they, their wing specials on Wednesdays, they have, tre they have tremendous wings. A little upset two years ago. They went to a smaller wing, but they're amazing. I would recommend the Pike. Absolutely great, great place. 
Um, I also touched on Beverly Hills Tavern. It's a little bit outside of where Albright College is located and in the city, which is probably a good thing. Um, but it has a, n- a really nice outdoor seating, bar, good atmosphere, especially, you know, not today, a little too warm, but especially in this time of the year, a really good spot. I would recommend that. And then, you know, if you're looking for a little nightlife when I was a lot younger, I, I'm going to go with a two-part bar answer here. I'm going to go uh, Building 24 and Legends. Legends is a little closer to Albright. Um, I know all who workers have experienced some time there, but both can be a good time with solid options. Um, I would say good, not great. What is uh, what is Building 24? Like it's, a, it's more like a club or it's a bar? Oh, it's a club. So now they actually have an outdoor bar they added to, uh, which is recent, which is really nice. I would recommend that as well. But it's a club inside. And uh, more so when I was a student, that was definitely a spot to go to. We, we had a lot of good times there. Yeah, that's uh, and Legends. I don't know. Like I said, I, there are a lot of fuzzy nights at Legends, but that place was a really hidden gem, to be totally honest. And I know you agree, Smalls. Like, that's a bar you go and have a good time, you know? And, yeah. we, you know, when you're at Hoop Group, you haven't seen a, a person of the opposite sex in about six weeks. So you go to Legends, and you're like, oh, my God, there are girls in Reading. This is unbelievable. You know, when, you, when you're working 12-hour days and then you show up at Legends, you know, you know anything can happen. <laughs> where, where, where else if we want to get – I know Pike really good wings. Where else if we want to get really good food? Like, let's say you, you either you're going on a date or you got, like, an official visit or something like that. Where are you taking somebody for a really nice meal in Reading? Because I can't say that – that's probably the one thing about Reading that I never really experienced. It was always good bar food, but, like, what about a good, like, sit-down meal? Hmm. I would probably recommend West Reading um, off the top of my head, I'm trying to think. Um, I don't really have a place off the top of my head, I would say. But West Reading has a lot of nice shops. Um, it's kind of like a little bit of a downtown. You can walk around. It's a little more safer than, than let's say, downtown Reading. Uh, but I would recommend that. Off the top of my head, I don't know. Um, yeah, no. It's I, just no, normal guys. I mean, listen, you're making a couple thousand dollars in the beginning. Hoop group, you're getting paid, you know, a couple hundred bucks every 10 days. So, you know, you really didn't have that opportunity. So I can understand that that doesn't, it's more about wings at Pike and the wing special. So I love it. Well, you know, I, I was really fortunate. All right, they had, you had a meal plan as an assistant coach. So you get 500 bucks a month on campus. There you That's go. good. That's making, good. You have that low income. You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah. We sometimes talk a good amount about like when you're not making any money and, and how tough it is to kind of like deal with that. But it is good when you get to a program and especially like Albright did for you, where they kind of give you extra perks that make it like, Hey, we can't pay you a lot of money and your life is going to be a little bit tougher because you can't maybe go to West Reading and take somebody out. But like, Hey, we're going to make it easier on you. Like that just makes your job so much more appealing, I think. And I think like that's where programs at the division three level that that's programs that are more successful when they do have things like that and, and infrastructure in place to get more talented individuals, you know, whether it be recruiters or coach, you know, whatever. Like, I think that's really interesting. So it is interesting that Reading or that Albright did that for you. So it didn't make it seem like, damn, I'm living way below the poverty line. Yeah. You could live your life. I think you could live like an adult. And if you, you hustled on the side, you know, whether you're doing workouts or whatever you got to do, you could definitely get it done. Um, yeah. You know, if you're trying to go out on a date and you got 500 bucks a month on a card, and uh, let's say pegs, it made it a little challenging. <laughs> I, I don't know if I've ever told the story on here, but uh, my wife, Beth, we're, we're now, you know, we, we're married. But when I was a GA at the very end of the, my time as a GA at Temple, I had some absurd amount of money in my bank account. Like I had like $38 in my bank account or something. It didn't have a credit card, only had a bank card. And on our first date, I only, we only ordered two rounds of drinks. And she thought the date went really poorly because I went to the bathroom and looked at my bank account and was like, if this bill comes and it's over $34, <laughs> 
I'm going to overdraw my account and I can't afford to do that. Like I don't, I, you know, I have like one thing of overdraft protection, <laughs> but like people think like, man, you're like living the dream. You're flying around the country. You get to coach basketball and they don't realize that like, you know, it maybe it would have been like, Hey, she doesn't pick up the phone. I was fortunate enough that it didn't really make or break us. But when I told her that story, like four or five years later, she was like, Oh man, I thought you just had a terrible time on our date because you only, we were there for 90 minutes. You ordered two like PBRs because it cost you like $7 <laughs> and then we got out of there. But I was really concerned. I had to call my brother and be like, yo, can you transfer me a hundred bucks so I can take this girl out again? Because I didn't have enough money in my bank account to be going on dates and stuff all the time. No, it's a struggle. I mean, people don't know if you want to get into college coaching, small college coaching, you know, just be prepared. There's things that happen in your life that not many people are going to deal with. No, yeah, not at all. You know, you're not sitting there sweating bullets when the check at St. Stevens comes, hoping that your check card is going to go through when it gets swiped. I mean, I can think numerous times I'm at, you know, tavern across taverns and I'm looking, uh, bills coming. I'm looking at my bank account. I'm like, man, I hope this bill, they didn't take this out of my bill yet. You know? <laughs> exactly. I need to wait till Sunday. It's like, oh right. man, did progressive take this yet? <laughs> That's what makes coaches great though. You find your creative yeah. situations, creative yeah, situations. Yeah. That's yeah. You figure out a way. That's like one of the biggest things, like just find a way. Like it's just a Fran Dunphy quote for, for days and days and days. Like you found a way to get it done. What about, uh, Adam, what about one activity in Reading, Pennsylvania or surrounding areas? If we're not eating or drinking, where are you taking somebody to hang out? Uh, there's actually, it's Blue Marsh Park. It's actually like, it's, um, it's really nice. It's like they have a, a lake in the middle. Um, it's like a, you can you know, jog, walk, run. There's like a mountain area. It's a really good time. Like, it, you know, and you, the other activities, whether you're not trying to, you know, you know, drink or per se like that, but you just get away. Um, most people think of Reading, just think of a city. It's only a couple of miles out and you kind of get a little bit of the country. Um, so it's a nice change of pace. You kind of get away. Awesome. That's good. I didn't know Reading had a lot of outdoor, <laughs> outdoor stuff to do. Never really saw a way yeah. today. You know? I think I found it like six years. No, maybe like six or seven years living there or something. So, you know, someone's like, hey, you should check this out. I'm like, oh, okay. It's nice outside. All right. Let's do 10 touches. Uh, 30 second rapid fire question and answer. I got the first five. Who's the funniest person you ever worked with or coached? Coached a kid named Kenny Sullivan. He went to Cheltenham. Oh, no, no. I'm so, oh, yeah, no. Coach. Yeah, Kenny Sullivan. I'm, he, he's, words can't describe how funny he was. How about worked with? You've worked with some funny dudes. Uh, it would have to be a tie between Britton Moore and Kevin Driscoll. I mean, the dynamics when they were the assistant coaches at Albright, we could talk off this. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. Those guys are amazing. What's your worst, uh, what's your worst travel experience in basketball? Man, um, the PSAC travel is tough for anybody who knows the conference. I would probably say an overnight last year to Clarion. Um, we get there. I've never been before. And, uh, you know, you get out of the hotel, you're like, wait, this, this is a place like there's people live here. Like, um, campus is actually beautiful, but that was, that was definitely different for me. Actually being in the Mac conference, you're very fortunate. Travel's great. You know, it's only an hour and a half, two hours at most. Um, so the PSAC was really, really tough. Is that the worst trip, Clarion, from like if you're coming Gannon, from right? oh, Gannon? So actually, I'm really, I was actually, I keep busting Coach Thistle's balls about this. So they, they have the, the Gannon and Mercyhurst overnight trip next year. So when I got Arcadia, I was like, man, I'm really going to miss that trip, guys. Like, good luck. Where's Gannon? Where's Gannon? I Erie, it was, isn't Erie, Erie. Erie. Yeah, so it's all the way over there. I actually saw Stitzel on the whole team. I was at a rest stop in Pittsburgh or in between Pittsburgh, and I saw you guys coming back. It was he was not too happy. It was it's a tough trip. Erie, Pennsylvania. Oh, it's a tough loss. I want that game at yeah. Gannon. Still. 
Plus the community's tough. Like that, that's a tough place to play. At least it used to be. Um, the whole community comes out. There's old guys cursing at you and stuff like that. So like, yeah, it's a tough place to play. I mean, that's the one thing. That's the one reason why like the Erie Bayhawks, like they won't leave because like the community loves them in the G League because it's like there's oh, not a ton to do there. They love hoops. Yeah. yeah. They love basketball. Gannon's draws, Mercyhurst draws. I mean, it's, it's a good ball, basketball talent. Man, that's a brutal trip, though. Like, I don't think people realize that, like, Erie is just in the middle of nowhere. It's just out there, man. Where's Clarence? Clarence close to Ohio, too, right? It's, like, right, almost right on the border? Um, No, it's more up north. It's, like, um, oh, my God, I don't even remember. But it's, like, it's a couple hours, but it's it's a tough trip. It's not an easy trip. The mountains sketching on Clarion trip. That's good. Just in case anyone wanted a little geographical quiz on Pennsylvania, thanks for tuning in to Create Your Shop podcast. Uh <laughs> Next question. What, what are you currently binge watching? If you, I mean, you probably don't have time right now, but before you got the job, what were you binge watching? All right. So a good friend of mine who was a GA, who just the GA at Millersville who worked at Albury with me, Chris Conway. So I, he was my roommate. He put me on uh, power. Have you guys ever seen the show power? On oh, show? I, oh, I have. I have. Unbelievable. I recommend it for everybody. We actually watch it all once. We've been, been watching it again. We're on our second time watching it. Well, because the new, the new season or the, the final season, I think is what, like July 25th or something. It's like a week. Okay, August, August 25th. I have like a on my phone. I can't wait. I, I was not super happy with the end of last season. After a while, I was kind of like, man, I wonder if the writers just kind of were like, we can just do whatever we want because we have such a big audience now. But it is, the, the early seasons of the show are unbelievable. The dude Ghost is amazing. Like, he's just such a great TV character. I actually want to find his tailor. I mean, his suits are formed. Nice. He's, he is a great dresser. Like, in his yeah. apartment and stuff, that, that whole part of it is, like, unbelievable. It's, they do a good job. They do a good job. I, I agree with you, though. Season two was the best. They've gotten a little unrealistic now. But it's, like, the whole Kane and stuff, that, I mean, that, that, was, that was wild. Yeah, 50 Cent is a totally underrated actor, by the way. Like, if he's doing any acting anymore other than power, but, like, as Kanan in power, he was fantastic. Like, he was was so fun to root for. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Who's the toughest player you ever had to guard? High school, college, camp? You know, who's the toughest guy? Kyle Lowry in high school. Um, So, uh, he was a senior at Doherty when I was a sophomore at Egan. And, I mean, he didn't want to be there. They won by (laughs) four. And uh, he's basically, uh, me and my brother talk about this all the time. I think he was just working on his game. He was just working on elbow jump shots. Um, you know, they had Shane Clark and, and Sean White and all those guys. And, like, my brother and I are guarding him. He's like, who are they? Like, so um, that was definitely the toughest guy I ever had to guard. Uh, what's the best game you've ever been a part of, either as a player or a coach? Um, as a player, it was versus Alvernia. My senior year, it was a – if you, or if you guys are familiar with Albright Alvernia, a huge rivalry game. Yeah, it's not – they're like five minutes away from each other, right? Yes, and when they play each other, sellouts, can't, it's standing room only. It's an unbelievable Division three atmosphere. I'd recommend it to anybody if anybody's looking for – you know, who really likes small college basketball. Um, it was a double overtime game at Albright. And I'm not just saying this because I hit the game-winning shot, but it, I hit the shot – and I was telling everybody two weeks before, I don't even know why we got on this topic. I was like, if I ever hit a game winning shot, I'm going to dive head first, like Bryce Drew and, and just like slide across the court. So I remember I hit this shot, buzzer sounds, we win. I start sliding. I dive head first and clicked. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to do this. I'm sliding. Our fan section, is, the student section is sprinting onto the court and they're uh. over me as I'm sliding across the court. Then they're piled on me. I can't breathe. The players are like, Get off. Like, it was unbelievable. That was by far the best game I was ever part of. You could ask Coach Ferry. He would second that. Oh, that's awesome. What would you do if you weren't coaching? 
Man, great question. Um, yeah, you don't know much else, right? And like coming out of school, was there something you wanted to do or, or a profession you wanted to engage in? I mean, I, I have a degree in business marketing, so I'd probably be in the business world in some capacity. Um, I, but that, that would probably be it, but I, I've never really thought about it, which is crazy. This, this. Yeah, that, it, it's, it's a tough thing when you just go right to coaching, right? I, I think yeah. that happens a lot, though, because guys, like until you need to think about it, you just don't. And if you're going to go all in on coaching, that sometimes, I don't know, like not to coach speak like Napoleon, but like sometimes you just burn the ships and you're like, this is going to work or it's not, you know, and then you figure it out after. Yeah. What would you change about college basketball? Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, I think I'd probably change a shot clock. I'd probably want college basketball to be 24 seconds. Um, I just think, you know, it just creates a better product. I think, you know, it's better for the game. Everyone plays faster. That, that'd probably be it. But to, to be honest, for the most part, um, I love college basketball the way it is. I, I think it's, um, you know, it's a great game. I think everything else, for the most part, besides changing little ticky-tack rules here and there, I think it's great. Yeah, and I, I agree with that because I do think at the end of the day, the players make the product, right? And 24 seconds to me just gives – yeah, you can still strategize as a coach, but it's a lot – people can do a lot less. You don't – remember when it was 35, people ran all these offenses that took so long and slowed the game down. 24, everyone has to play at a very similar pace. I think it makes it more entertaining, D2, D3, D1, whatever it is. Uh, but pregame routine, do you have one? Uh, not really. I am superstitious. Um, great. Love this. Give me the superstitions. (laughs) I have some weird stuff. So like, it's more so when it's after we win a game. So if we win a game, I'll come back to my desk and whatever pencil I use for that scout, I will use the same one. And, you know, I got to make sure I know where that is. Or let's say during the game we won, I'll have a blue highlighter. I got to make sure I have the same blue highlighter in my suit for the next game. Um, when we lose, everything is out the window. I'll change it all up. But for, when we win, I like to keep that same routine, whether whatever it is, whether I'm drawing up sets first in the scout, you know, d- really dumb, corny stuff. People that don't know about basketball is like, this guy's a weirdo. Um, but that, that type of stuff, like whatever falls into the prep to win the game and during the game, I will keep that routine. What are some best coaches for you to steal from? Um, I'm a huge Brad Stevens guy. I feel like that's cliche and everybody says that, but I, I think he's really good. Um, so he's definitely one of the guys that I always look for. And I really like to look at small division one coaches that have success, whether it's like this past year, like whether Belmont, Lipsicum, um, what they're trying to do. Um, you know, I always look for something new, um, you know, but I, besides Brad Stevens, probably not anybody in particular, uh, but just, just always looking you know how it is. What's your secret talent? Oh man. Uh I don't really, I don't think I even have one. I, you know, if everybody asks me that, like at camp, it's like, oh, what's one secret thing about you? I just say I'm a twin brother. I have a twin brother. So um, that's pretty powerful. You have a twin. Not sure if it's a talent per yeah. se, but do you guys, do you guys I don't like, think it counts, but I still use it because everyone's like, oh my God, you have a twin. Uh, I got a question. How annoying was it when you were growing up playing basketball and people were like, are you guys just like always on the same page? Like, is he just, you just throw the ball and he's there? Like, you're playing backyard football, you're playing baseball, bat, whatever. Did that just like get annoying as a twin? Uh, you have no idea. The twin question. <laughs> when people ask me twin questions now, I just go, oh, twin question. Like, here we go. <laughs> I um, can't wait till your brother's a head coach in the Mac Commonwealth as well, or the Mac Freedom as well. And you guys get to coach against each other at, at a certain point. It's going to be unbelievable. It's just, <laughs> it, would, it would be an awful experience for me. It would be <laughs> hilarious, but it'd be awful. My, my favorite, no, it's like, oh, did you guys ever switch classes growing up? Like, did, you know what? Actually, we, we did do it one time. And it was 20 minutes. I'm sitting there. I'm like, all right, teacher can't tell. I'm like, hi. 
I raised my hand. I go, I'm Adam. She's like, oh my God, you got me. I'm just like, all right, cool. I went back to my class. That was it. <laughs> the the Disney Channel original movie Double Team came out in 2002. Are you guys kind of like those twins? Oh, is that the movie about the two yeah. girls? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah Double Team, 2002. I've never seen it, but I'll definitely look into well, it. Make sure, you ch- make sure you check it out. You should do that before you coach a game. <laughs> okay. So you're prepared for that question. Uh, two podcast guests for us. Who should we bring on? Well, I'm going to recommend my brother. Obviously, I think he's hilarious. Um, you know, I know he's got a, he's got a good story too, and his journey it's a little unique. Um, who else? Uh, I would then I would recommend Chris Conway. Uh, he's going to hope he'll be the full time assistant at Millersville University. He um, he has a really interesting story as well. You know, his brother right now is a, a top 100 recruit in the 2021 class. So really interesting dynamics for him and how how the process has gone for him. And I think he's a rising star in this in this business. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan Conway just picked up a, uh, I think he was Delaney outside of Baltimore. Yes. Right? Look at his great knowledge here. Yeah, just picked up a Stanford offer. So he was an Elevate Hoops guy for a long time. Like when we were doing uh, like Proving Ground and stuff like that kid was playing when he was in like sixth, seventh grade. So yep. gotten to follow him for like a good while. So it's interesting to see like guys that are highly rated when they're young and then they continue to like, Bro, RJ Davis is another kid from like Stepanak who was in the pipeline for a long time. And it's funny, like those two guys were in the first proving ground class that we did. So always enjoy to see that. But I I did not know that was his brother. So that's that's uh, good info. But uh, parting shots. Last segment. Same two questions to every guest. I got the first one. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Um. You know, just just try. I think the best advice probably would be just just stay humble and just, you know, just just be you know, be yourself, you know, um, everyone says when you get a head coach job, you got to change and be stern. I think the way I want to approach this is just being who I am. Um, you know, I can, I can be tough. I can be hard to play for, but I like to have fun. I think, you know, you're with your roster, you're with your guys so much, you know, it's gotta be fun. If if you're not having fun while you're doing it, why do it at all? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. Face to face with your, I'm going to change this up. Your 26 year old self, you're four years into your Albright stint as an assistant. So halfway through, you don't know that. What are you telling that person? Uh, Don't act like you have all the answers. Um, I think when you're a young coach, you think you have it all figured out, especially around like the 26 to 28 range. You know, you're like, Oh, I could do a better job than this guy or that guy. And you know what? That's just not the case. <laughs> it's just, yeah. it is what it is. So Coach I really, would call that a Naismith. Am I, like, <laughs> there it is. you know, yes. when we're young, we're Naismithing a little bit. We don't want to be Naismiths. Sometimes <laughs> you, know, you can't help it around Stitzel, though. He just thinks everyone's a Naismith. So. Coach Stitzel's called me a Naismith numerous times. Actually, in our group text, I, I, he called me a Naismith this morning. So uh, <laughs> I would definitely, when I was 26, tell myself not to be a Naismith. <laughs> That's good. Uh, he is at he is a Van Zelst ten on Twitter. Give him a follow, Adam. Like I said, I appreciate you making the time for us as you're, you know, you got a couple recruiting weekends left, and then hopefully you get a chance to kind of like take a breath and just enjoy for a day that you're now a head coach, and because you know that feeling's got to be unbelievable. Well, we appreciate you taking the time. I really, it's been awesome to talk to you, and I, I texted Smalls actually in the middle of this, just like. You know, it's been exciting to kind of hear how passionate you are and how excited you are for this opportunity. Because I think a lot of guys, they come in and they want to like coach speak you and they want to act like, yeah, you know what? I got an opportunity I deserve. And I, I'm not saying that you don't think you deserve it, but just I can tell you're just chomping the bit to get a chance to roll the balls out with your guys. And I, it's, I'm excited to watch them and follow you guys. I appreciate that, guys. And uh, thank you for having me on. You know, big follower. And, you know, hey, if you guys are in town, come to a game. You know, love to have you. All right. Well, be well, man. Good Good luck on the recruiting trail, actually, too, the rest of the way. And hopefully you and Smalls run into each other at Seattle. You, he'll buy you a beer at Shenanigans. Oh, absolutely. I'll buy you. Yeah, I won't say what I'll buy. I'll tell you off there. Three or two. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's good. Thanks, guys. guys.